Welcome to the Character of Comedy with me, comedian and comedy researcher Jim Judges. This week I talked to Steve Lee, the comedian behind the hilarious gangster East End Phil Mitchell lookalike criminal character Mad Ron. In our super insightful conversation, we explore how Steve creates his comedy and keeps audiences laughing. We'll hear about open mic nights, Steve's take on comedy competitions, and his experiences performing at the Leicester and Edinburgh Fringe. So brace yourselves for a rollicking comedic ride as we explore the amazing, impressive, sometimes intimidating, but always entertaining world of Mad Ron and the man behind the scenes pulling the strings and keeping the show on the road. From notebooks full of jokes to standing ovations, this is an episode packed full of insights, advice and laughter, and will be an enjoyable listen for anyone with an interest in comedy, and anyway, just in case you are thinking of turning off, Madron sends a message. He says, you'd better listen, or else. For the, for the podcast, it's worth saying, actually, that I'm just talking to Steve via Zoom, and uh, Steve Lee, that is, and that's uh, the comedian behind the character Mad Ron, who we'll find out about in a minute. But I'm admiring your background there, Steve, because it's um, an image of a, a prison cell. Is that right? It is. It's uh, the uh, prison from Porridge. And <laughs> during the lockdown, uh, BBC were doing some free backgrounds, and I nabbed that one. Um, and I was doing gigs. Yes, that in the background, and as as you know, my character's a, a gangster character, has been in prison and all that kind of stuff, so it suits the background. And um, yeah, so that was quite successful. That's, so I that's... pretend that my lockdown was a totally different lockdown to everybody else's. Indeed, indeed, detained uh, courtesy of uh, Majesty's uh, pleasure, which we should come on to. So. Yeah, introduce yourself, Steve, and uh, if you don't mind, maybe you could just uh, tell us about your background and maybe how you got into comedy. Start anywhere you like, but do you mind introducing yourself? So, I'm Steve Lee. I perform as the character Mad Ron all over the place, knocking on the door of a thousand gigs now, having been go- going for seven years. Um, I was a massive, massive comedy fan. I used to go and watch everybody and everybody. I must have seen well over a thousand comedians before I'd even thought about doing comedy, but I didn't think it was something that was accessible to yeah. me. So I think the, the long and short of it, the cut, cut to the chase is that I was doing, uh, I always felt there was a book in me. So I went to college to learn creative writing and did creative writing. And uh, the teacher was consistently cancelling classes because she was ill. So I, was complaining to somebody one day and they said, oh, you don't want to do that. Why don't you do this comedy writing course? So I emailed and they emailed almost straight back, said, we've got one space and the meeting is tonight. So I didn't have time to think, turned up and it was Logan's Murray's Tringe Rovers, um, it's called. So in Tring, they have this festival called Tringe and uh, they run this thing for newcomers. So they give you eight weeks of training, three hours a week on a Friday night, learning not all aspects of comedy, because that's impossible in that short space of time, but quite a lot of uh, uh, how to create material, um, how to find your voice and you know how physicality and uh, how to sort of let yourself go as you're, you know, as you're thinking on your feet on stage, etc. So, 
we're after the course is a graduation which is four uh, four pubs entering roughly 100 people in each uh and you start in one pub with a prof- professionals comedian my comedian that we were assigned with was silky uh one of the others was richard herring um and we rotated on oh, mandy night was another one i start in one pub do your five minutes and then you move to the next pub and do your five minutes do it and and the reward for uh you know public seeing extremely amateur comedy is to see one of the professionals doing 10 minutes just ripping the place apart so yeah, um yeah. so that's the idea of it and that's what i did uh, what was that what was that first experience like then Steve? because it's it's nerve-wracking um and you did you did four gigs in one night then did you yeah four in one night yeah i don't how think did, i've ever did... done that since to be honest. no how did that go um the first one was pretty good actually uh, the second one was a bit iffy. The third one was a bit iffy, and the fourth one was really good. Yes, um, yes. So, so you you got you got the bug. And, and what do you think about this then? What do you think about that comedy course? Was it was it just a route to getting you on stage? Because being devil's advocate, you might say you can't really learn how to be a comedian in the classroom. You, the the only place to learn is on stage. But but did you did you learn some important lessons that you still use, or do you think you've learned uh, most uh, just by doing it? Uh. They're, I think comedy is a language. It's a very different language. So if you, if you take the English language, you'd say things in, in in a certain way. If you take the Italian language, you you the words the direct translation of phrases isn't the same. Yeah. And the same with French and Spanish. And when you're talking comedy, yeah. you can't talk like a proper English person. You've got to talk in comedy language. And yeah. you need to learn comedy language. That's so interesting. That's simple really things like yeah, um, making the last word of your punchline the reveal of your joke. Yes. Making the setup as close to the um, at the start of your of the punchline as possible. Yeah. Um, cutting words out and editing. It's it, it's it's a different language. Yes, that's that's interesting, and it is the case. And sometimes it might be difficult to put your finger on it, but there are some kind of rules that we might follow, uh, and some truisms. But but sometimes uh, through experience, you find some words are just funnier and better than than, than others as well. A bit of a science to it as well, because um, you know percussion consonants. You know, the, yes, the, the, yes, yes, expression yeah. percussion consonants. Yeah. So things like p's, t's, k's. Yes, uh, hard C's are very audible, and they yeah. they um, almost like make words in italics. They they yes. emphasize a word. Yes, but on the other hand, you can soften a, a bit if you want to soften something. Yeah. You can take all of those percussion consonants out as well. You can yeah. just use soft sounds. Yes. Okay, and Steve, what about what about Mad Ron then? Can you paint a picture of him? Uh, did you know who he was straight away? Has he evolved? Where did he come from? Is he the first and only character you've used? So after I finished that Tring course, I wasn't interested in doing performing stand-up. I just wanted to write. So I tried to write for Newsjack and yeah. uh, bits and pieces for other comedians and whatever, and nothing was ever landing or got accepted. So I thought yeah. I must have been doing something wrong. Yeah. So I signed up for another course with Logan. Yeah. 
and it's like a one of the writing courses about creating material turned up there um and did the course found it really really good really interesting it was a kind of another level up from the one i've been doing and i wrote some material about basically it was about um how i felt tuition fees were wrong basically why not just get all the students to rob a post office if they get away with it they've got the money for their tuition fees if they haven't then they could just sit in a degree in the prison library anyway so that was the idea of that and then somebody said to me oh, it was emily mcquade i don't know if you know emily mcquade really yeah. really funny she's, she's absolutely excellent got a really great mind for writing and, and coming up with some really quirky ideas but really quite funny and she said oh she said that'd be quite good as a character yes so that morning i got in the car and there were some kids down the road and they started shouting phil mitchell at me so i thought oh okay i look like phil mitchell i'll just do an impression of him and see how that sounds so i did it in the in the class and people were howling with laughter at it. You know, it was I, I, unreasonably so. It wasn't that funny, I swear. <laughs> and then I thought, well, I've got to go and I've got to go and try this. Yeah. So I went round probably about ten open mic nights. Yeah. Uh, and went to have a look. Um, do you did you ever do famous first words? No, where's that one? Where's that? That was uh, that was uh, in King's Cross somewhere, I think. Oh uh, yeah, I, th I think we we move in different circles. I haven't done a lot of London and you're down south. So we probably uh, have only just um, overlapped a bit, Steve, maybe. So you're doing or looking at open mics or going to open mics? Uh, well, yeah. I went there to sort of see whether I uh, see what the standard was like, really. And I went and I saw the first one. I thought, do you know, if I was to do my stuff, I'd be mid table. I think I wouldn't be the worst. That was the that was the point. Then I thought then I went to another one. And I thought, yeah, this is the same. I went to a third one. And then I just didn't have the nerve to get up and do it. And then I thought, right, I'm going to book one yeah, and invite yeah. everyone I know so I couldn't pull out of it. And so I invited about 10 people down, turned up at Famous First Words and did it. And it went really well. And then the next thing you know, this is as mad wrong. Yeah. Um, and... The the next uh, next thing you know, somebody's offered me a paid gig. Oh yeah, tenor, you know. But it was that's right. I'll pay you to go and do five minutes, and then uh, I ended up in the Ballam New Act of the Year competition. I'd done thirty four gigs. Um, everyone else had done a minimum of three hundred. <laughs> so I believe I'm not sure whether that's right or not. Yeah. But that's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah. told. Yeah, um, and I don't think I was. Yeah, I think I was sort of mid-table. Yeah. You know, and then I just kept going. And then I ended up, Andy Stebman gave me a, um, a, a gig on a pro deal with Mike Gunn. Yeah. Uh, Mike Gunn sat down and, you know, after the gig and said, you've got some really nice writing, really, mm. you know, good mm. stuff. So that was, that was quite encouraging. Yeah. And then it's just gone on from there. And then you just turn around and you think, hang on a minute. Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, and it's and it, before, <laughs> before you know it, before you know it, you've been doing a doing a thousand gigs, and you and and you've done some, you've done some competitions, you've won some awards, and you've done pretty well on 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 the way, Steve. And and now you're doing what two or three, three or four gigs a week, maybe, or you're keeping busy anyway. Yeah, keeping busy. 
I'd like to sort of touch on the competition element a bit, really. Yeah, that'd be great to, to explore, actually. And I think uh, people listening are, are, are interested in the open mic, the gong and the competition. Yeah, tell, tell, tell me about your thoughts on that. So I, I just felt... So I was going around the open mic nights and you just turn up somewhere and sometimes some of these open mic nights in London are just... They're soul-destroying. You've got two or three people in the audience and, you know, if, if you're on last... You know, sometimes everyone's gone by the time you get on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all the experience acts will say, I've got, I've got to go in the first half because, you know, I've got another gig to go to and all this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you're left there with no feedback whatsoever. Yeah. And I thought, do you know what? If I enter a competition, there's guarantee that there's going to be some audience. Yes. Doesn't matter what I'm like. Yeah. But at least I get to do my stuff in front of an audience. Yes. So I entered Leicester Square Theatre, a new comedian competition. Yeah. Yep. And I was absolutely gobsmacked to get through the first round. And then I got through the quarterfinals as well, which I couldn't believe. And then I was in the semi-final, didn't get through. I had three, I think three semi-finals yeah. of that. And then I got to the final of that. Yeah, yeah. And then drawn out first. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, um, everybody's so fa- everybody's favorite spot yeah but as so, you so say gen- an generally i yeah. entered competitions not because of the you know obviously it's nice to win it and nice yeah. to do well yeah. but it's to do my stuff in front of audiences yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair yeah. and that and that that's good that's good advice really because i i think that uh, as you're perhaps suggesting that you're getting as much out of that as uh, anyone else is because you're getting the feedback from the audience and the competition i don't know about raises your game but it, it, you, you've got to be on point you've got to have it there and 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 you've got to try and deliver haven't you and and often as we as we both know from the recent competition we were involved in the the sketch off back at Leicester Square yeah, you've got to, you've often got a tight time schedule as well. You know, perhaps you've only got seven minutes or five minutes or something yeah. to deliver your stuff. And and you know, from going from twenties to going down to doing yeah. as that sketch off thing was seven minutes. Yeah, it does concentrate the mind as to what it is your does. best seven minutes. <laughs> it does. And really, you can't necessarily do your best seven minutes because yes. it, there won't be a flow to it. Yeah, so you have to pick bits that have a theme to it. Try yeah. and thread a theme through it. That's so, right. yeah. So that was um, so competitions. Competitions were useful for you in the in the early days. Then, and we've hinted at who uh, Mad Ron is. Then, but whenever I tell people, oh, I'm speaking to Mad Ron, or I've got a gig with Mad Ron, or whatever, they say, who's he? I say, oh, you know, Uxbridge's third hardest man, which I which I think is a great uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, comedic line, anyway. But uh, is there anything else you can say about him, or what, what's his history, or is is that as much as we need to know? So, uh, you know, I like to do uh, as little introduction. I don't get any MC to describe me. I, I find that's quite, an, I wouldn't say annoying, but it's not how you get the best out of a character act by describing what they are before they go on. I because know. if you do that, if the material is written cleverly enough, the reveal of who you are and what you are will be in the material. Okay. And don't insult the audience by saying, this is what you're going to see. They can work it out for themselves, and that's that, that's what I feel. That's so quite often, yeah. I walk on, and the image is quite powerful. Yeah. So I, I walk yeah. on with a trench coat, DMs, yeah. you know, shaved head, yeah. um, looking like a complete and utter thug. Yeah. Like Phil Mitchell, and normally there's a ripple of laughter 
um, before yeah. I even say a word. And then quite often, even at the bigger gigs, somebody shouts out Phil Mitchell. So ah, yeah, so that's my way in normally to. That's um, good. That's good. To to people understanding kind of what yeah your your background and what about this character comedy isn't for everyone and it it's perhaps you might say some audiences will warm to it uh, sooner than than others so do you ever find that the audience doesn't buy into it or doesn't get it or takes longer to work out what's going on it's such a big subject really it's it's enormous okay so i've I've been doing a lot of middle 20s, middle 15s, middle 20s on gigs. And they've, you know, absolutely flying. And then you go in to do an opening 20. Yeah. And in the opening 20, it goes well. But yeah. there's a couple of minutes where people are going, what is this? Yeah. What's going on? Because they don't, they can't tune into it. They haven't seen anything to the reference. Yes. But after a couple of minutes, they go, oh, actually... There's a lot in here, joke-wise. Yes. My, my underpinning thing is the material. Yeah. Our underpinning thing on the whole of that character comedy is yeah. material. I think people are too lazy. Yeah. But, but uh, people, are, people are too lazy, so they think that the character is enough. So by dressing yes. up and going on stage, that's enough. Yeah. But they don't do anything about the writing. That's... And, yeah, I think the writing's the important thing with character comedy. That's that's really interesting, and I'd like to explore that. And I can certainly vouch for your act being full of well-written, solid gags. And it's interesting your journey to uh, character that you came through that writing. So that that perhaps helped in some ways, maybe that you you had the gags. So what what is your writing process then, Steve? Are you, are you just honing your twenty minutes, but are you also writing new stuff? What's your writing process? So. I'm always trying to look to improve the 20 minutes. It's pretty good at the moment. I've, I've probably stretched about 24, 25 minutes is, is is where I can sustain it at a higher level. But I'm always looking to improve that. So if it's a 20, I'm always looking to pull bits out of that 20 yeah. and put something else in or add a tagline or add a different yeah. element to it. I just want that 20 to be as solid as possible so that I could get a reputation of doing a good job yes. wherever I go. Yes. And I think generally it does work pretty That's, well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And what what about the, the new ideas? They're just, they're just coming to you or do you, do you improvise on stage and keep stuff in or is it more stuff that you've written and tried out? So there's lots of different ways of, uh, of writing. Um, I always carry little notebooks. So these are little A6 notebooks. Oh, yeah. And I must have like, don't know 100 of them 80 yeah. 100 yeah all stuffed in drawers and whatever yeah i've got a stack of a4 sheets that i've been doing uh you know writing over the last seven years which is kind of yeah. you know about 10 or 12 inches high yeah. you know full of yeah. material so basically if i get a funny idea i just write it yeah. in the book then i go through the book once a week and just try and write something to do with that that um yeah that idea i think the most fruitful it is is to write something that write four or five hundred words maybe a thousand words very quickly 
Yeah. And then go back through it and go, that's a joke, that's a joke, that's a joke, that's a joke. So you've yes. written four or five jokes. And then you take those jokes out, put them onto another bit of paper. Yeah. And then you link yes. with as, the minimum amount of material as possible to link those, yeah. those jokes together. And what about, do you, uh, crime's an interesting subject because it's um, all around us. It's <laughs> in the sense that it's in the news. It's always being reported and, and criminals on TV uh, in fictional drama continue to be uh, popular. So do you draw inspiration from them? Do you watch something? Do you get an idea and, and flip that into something humorous? Well, the character is interesting itself because I found in the early days there's a massive problem with the character. Oh, yeah. Because it's threatening. Yes. And because it's threatening, the British people love gangsters. They yeah. love their criminals. Yeah. It's an abnormal reaction to, I think, yeah. a strange kind of relationship. Yes. But it's there. Yes. But they don't actually want to know what that criminal's done. No. They just want to know his opinions on stuff because he's got more interesting opinions yeah. than, um, you know, the, the crime itself isn't isn't yeah. interesting. They're not interested in that. Yeah. They yeah. block that out. And it's yeah. so when I first did the character, I went on stage and I had a line which was uh, back when I was younger, we could club someone, kick them in the head, stuff <laughs> the body down a drain and go out and have a bloody good sing-song around her piano afterwards. And because we have manners, we'd buy the widow a bunch of flowers. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. when I was crap at the character, yeah, that was okay, because the character wasn't that believable in the early, you know, the first yeah, days. Yeah, it got yeah, to yeah. a stage where the I got the character yeah. refined and working really well. And all of a sudden, I'd get uh to that bit, and the audience would just shut down on me. Would they? It was it was too much. It was too believable. It was kind of it sounded yeah. too too cruel, too violent, really. So what what did you do then? How how have you softened that? How 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 do you open your your act, or what did you swap it for? Well, it's just opinions now. It's opinions about so just pick a subject, just like pick a, a subject yeah. and get that character's perspective on it. So yes, you're saying that Ron therefore has a, opinions. Give us an example of something. What what sorts of things does he have opinions about? Um, I find it quite interesting that a lot of the subjects that comedians cover are are the same kind of things. Um, you know, I've got a bit, I've got a bit about vegans, got a bit about smoking, I've got a bit about you know holidays. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, foreign food. You yeah. know, Brexit. The whole, the whole shebang. You know, but you know, if you thought right, what's this guy think about this? Yeah. And it's not always necessarily the line that you'd expect. Yes. Yes. I find it far more interesting to take the opposite view of what you'd think the character would do. Yeah. But find a reason why. Yes. He wants this. <laughs> do, do you have an example of that? So do you mind sharing? Um, or but I, I like the idea, and I think that's where the the comedy is, isn't it? In that oppositeness, incongruity, difference to what we might expect. Yeah. Yeah, so for for Brexit, for example, um, there are two bits of material. It depends where where he goes with it, really. But you know, you'd uh, it's a it's fantastic. Brexit is a brilliant idea. It's about time we took the massive step forward of bringing our country back to the way it was in the nineteen seventies, and now we've uh, now we've got that out of the way. We can get rid of decimalisation. We knew where we were when it was five hundred shillings in a pony. <laughs> stuff like that so yeah it's kind yeah. of 
you know, it, the reasons for it are, are not necessarily the straightforward reasons. Steve, one thing that we have in common, we do we do gigs at stand-up nights. Um, I also do some middles and find the middles, perhaps um, in the way you described, sometimes more comfortable, the audience have relaxed, you as a character are providing a bit of light and shade. The opening uh, spot, yeah, you, you can do okay, but it's often uh, uh, delivering to a colder audience. So I have some similar experiences to you. I know that also, having met you last year and seen your great show at the Edinburgh Fringe, that you also do fringe shows, which are a, a different beast. Uh, do you want to say anything about those? How long have you been doing the fringe? And how, how do you find the contrast? Do you like one more than the other? Or what do you think? So initially, I was uncomfortable with the longer shows. Just... Uh, you know, I, I didn't really understand what was required. I ended up doing, trying to do more of the same. Yeah, yeah. Which is a problem. And what you need to do is find ways to mix it up. Yes. And those ways of mixing it up are quite fun, to be honest. Yeah. So this year, I so I, I took my Edinburgh show from last year, which was uh, Crime School. Yeah. And um, for various reasons last year, I I didn't really have a great venue, to be honest. I did okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if it hadn't been for, you know, a lot of the audience that came to see me putting great reviews on the website yeah. and the Ed Fringe website, mm -hmm. and Lucy Porter came to see the show because she got a recommendation from two audience members that went That's to see right. her. That's right. Uh, and she tweeted about it. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the numbers went from, you know, well, when she came to see it, there were eight in the audience. Next night, there were 25. Next night, there were 40. The next night, you know. Well, but hang on was... a sec, Steve. You're forgetting there were two great comedians in that night, I think. Lucy Porter yeah. and uh, <laughs> Ian Crawford was there. You forgot to mention him. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great show. And, and of course, Edinburgh's a real challenge to get an audience in. And some people might say, crikey, eight in the audience. You were lucky. But 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 even, even then, you were doing some uh, fun stuff. Um, I became the artist yeah. for the night, for example. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so in that show, we have a courtroom artist. Yeah. And so basically, you pick somebody to draw exactly what, draw what they see. <laughs> and it went from the most amazing um, pictures you've ever seen. I mean, Louisa Kaur, she's a comedian. She drew that, an absolutely fantastic picture, really. Yeah, you know, yeah, she's yeah. an artist, and it was really brilliant. And you've also got some woman who just drew a squiggle in the corner of the paper. <laughs> and uh, when you asked her... You know, why is there just a squiggle in the corner of the paper? She said, I'm not a grass. I thought that was brilliant. It's sort of added to the show. So. Yeah, yeah. And actually that that liveness is quite is quite important, actually, and, and um certainly involving and interacting with the audience. And I've found myself to a certain extent trying to fill 50 minutes, you need a bit of padding, you might say. But I think more than padding, you need, as you say, you need variety. Yeah, so yeah, I mean so I did that in Edinburgh yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought the, the show concepts, I thought it was quite good, quite a good yes. kind of uh, concept. So what I did, I, in October, I rewrote around about 35 minutes of the show, yeah. stripped a load of stuff out, yeah, and then went in, just rehearsed, 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 yeah. and went into the Leicester Comedy Festival with a, with basically 
35 minutes of brand new stuff yeah and 20 minutes of established stuff yeah and that gave me a 55 minute show and um i got a nomination for the best show at the leicester comedy festival which is great and congratulations and deservedly so and can, can i just say it comes up uh, in most conversations but I don't know what you think, but I'm a big fan of the Leicester Fringe because uh, whereas Edinburgh seems to have mushroomed into a monster many years ago, uh, Leicester's still got a great a great vibe, uh, certainly from my opinion. I love the Leicester Comedy Festival. Yeah. Um, I do have one slight complaint, but not about the festival itself. It's about yeah, the performers who go to Leicester. Yeah. Because Leicester is so early in the year and yeah. uh-huh. Edinburgh is so far away, Yeah. The quality of comedy sometimes can be a little bit substandard. Hang on a sec, Steve. But you came to see my show. What are you saying? Well, I I thought um, I thought yours was adequate. No, no, it was very good. <laughs> you know how good it was. I told you it was good. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only joking. But in fairness, in fairness, there is something in what you're saying because he, he, even I'm guilty of that. In that, to a certain extent, others have said, you know, that Leicester can be the springboard and the the training ground and the work in progress, and it's very much work in progress. So, so it, it can suffer from that. Whereas you're you're saying that, you know, from what you said, you took your Edinburgh show, deconstructed it, and rebuilt it, and 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 delivered something that was obviously, yeah, I'm trying it's to resist different. using oven ready. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, thirty five minutes of it is different. Yeah, no, that's that's, a a huge chunk of it is different. But but that rewriting process, I think learning from what you've done and and that that instinct, whatever it was, obviously paid off. So so do you feel like you've got a a show that you're you've got more confidence in perhaps for for this year at Edinburgh or how are you feeling? I've definitely got a better show for this year. I've got a lot of confidence in it. But if we just rewind a second about the Comedy Festival... Yeah. I just think that perhaps, you know, some of the artists who are performing could bring their finished Edinburgh show back to Leicester the following year. Yeah. And yeah. just show what the finished article is. Yes. Not just give them give Leicester, the people of Leicester, unfinished items year after year. No, that's that's that that's interesting actually, Steve. I'll share a quick anecdote. I saw a young man do a show. Uh, in in Leicester a few years ago, and it uh, was on stage. And the first fifteen minutes of his show, twenty minutes maybe, were very good. It was fun. It was different. It was wacky. It was quite uh, and quite creative. And then, um, in less than half an hour, he w- he was sat on stage in his underpants with his head down and said, "Oh, uh, you can go now." And uh, I thought it was part of the act, but it, it turned out it wasn't. Uh, he he had only written the first half of his show and hoped that he could make up the rest once he was on stage, but clearly he couldn't. So there's a there's a classic example of uh, of somebody who thought they could wing it, but winging it in comedy doesn't usually work. Is that is that fair? Yeah, and and I also think as well that you know it's very easy to for a comedy festival to sell a one hour block. But really, yeah, you know, it's quite often at the stage at Leicester's at. There's a lot of people that haven't got an hour. They that haven't is, even got. They yeah. haven't even got forty minutes. No, that's so. If that, they were to sell fair. forty minute blocks, yes, give more opportunity to the people that are trying to work on stuff, make it yeah. better. Yes, they've yes. got another four or five months to write another twenty minutes of material if they need to and yeah. get that honed in. 
That's a, that's a fair point, actually, because, of course, I say we, we're not doing any favours for the uh, the brand of fringe comedy if we're, if we're delivering stuff that's, that's a bit duff. Having said that... I think the fringe audience is looking for for different, and and my my personal opinion is that acts like yourself, acts like Ian Crawford, Cutlery Safety Expert, the the sort of wackier, quirkier character comedy. There seems to be an audience for that at the fringe, whereas there's a a surplus of of, of stand up, and they have to work a bit harder to get an audience. So perhaps that's true. Well, yeah. I think in a way, but it's difficult to get your brand out there, isn't it? So, yes, yes. I mean, I think, I think, if in terms of flyering and advertising yeah. your show, yeah. I think it quite be quite an easy sell for you because you could yeah. go and talk to people and talk to them about, and you could make them laugh on that kind of yeah, yes, level. yes. You take Mad Ron as a character. Yeah, if I go out flyering. <laughs> yeah, you know, I might. Be I a had bit this worried. idea last year that I go around <laughs> trying to give people watches and film it. <laughs> Yeah. And people were literally backing up against the wall. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because your your character's too too believable. You 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 mm. you look uh, like uh, the Phil Mitchell character, and 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 you're right. I can see why that might be a challenge. If you want to stay in character, you, it's hard for you to be friendly while you're uh, giving your your flyer early. You might say. So I can see where the the challenge might come from. Um, so I have to rely on other people to sell my show for me. Yes, yes. And that again, that costs. Yeah. And also, it's difficult to get somebody that can sell the message as well as I could, you know. Yeah. And also, if those guys come in and I've done Steve Lee and flyered or done my sales pitch, yeah. and then yeah. they see me in the show, that's not going to be as believable. I don't, you know, not yeah. the impact's no. not going to be as good. That's so right. I worry about that kind of stuff. No, that's interesting actually, because that that um, brings me round to that that idea of being the character on stage, and uh, the golden rule of character comedy being staying in character. And 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 with your character, hmm, forgive me for suggesting this, but is it easy to stay in character if you if you get a if you get a heckle, then you're exactly the sort of bouncer criminal gangster who I would who I would want to sort that problem out so so can can Ron deal with interruptions and heckles or have you ever had to step out yeah, of I've, had to, I've had to um I've had to do that a couple of times but to be honest with you there are two types of heckle aren't there yeah go on the two types of heckle for me are the one where somebody is being disruptive yeah. and deliberately sort of trying to ruin a show, ruin people's experience around them, which doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's not very nice. But I don't play their game. No. I just ignore them because yeah. the point is, if I enter up into a battle with somebody about, you know, heckling and all this kind of stuff, the the, the problem there is Ron is high status. Yes, of course. Ron is going to be like, you're really just beneath me. Yeah. I can't be bothered talking to you, so just yeah. I'm just going to ignore everything you say, and that's that works pretty well. Then the other heckle is where somebody says something funny. Yes, and 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 I think we should be conscious that there are two types of heckle. Yes, and embrace the funny. Yeah, yeah, but not not engage with the 
with the nasty the interruptions and the nasty. Yeah, I can see that. And and you're quite right. I mean, experienced comedians know exactly when to, you might say, take it on the chin or just step back and absorb the funny because on occasions people will say funny things uh, and, and you can just let the room enjoy it, I think, and then, and then yeah. use it perhaps and, uh, and you, move you know, on. You've got to tip your hat at them, haven't you? You've got yeah. to say, well done. You know, yeah. that's, yeah, I'll that's give you that one or whatever, you know. Exactly. Because, it's no good coming down yeah. like a ton of bricks on someone who's just said something amusing just to stamp your authority on the room under those yeah. circumstances. And and again, with the character, because it's threatening, yes. it, you can shut people down. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's good. What about um, different different rooms? Maybe great great gigs, the sort of rooms you like to play. Have you got any favourite venues or types of places that you like to play? And have you found that you've struggled in 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 other rooms? So any any observation on the different different venues and perhaps rooms where you you enjoy performing or where you've done best even? I think it's all relative, anyway, isn't it? You can do the best you possibly can in each room, and you know, if you watch the other acts, you think you're on a par. You're you're on a par with other acts. Yeah. But yeah, I like I like it when they've had a bit of a drink. They're a little bit playful. Yeah. They're a little bit boisterous. So if I go into it, if I'm sitting in the green room or going to a gig and standing at the back, there's one thing that I look for before I go on stage. If there's a lot of noise, chatter, people yeah. talking excitedly. Yeah. I love that. So okay. I know that going into that gig, I can pitch my material at a, a much lower, slower pace. Yes. And if it's a quiet room and everyone's in it whispering and yeah. and, and yeah. inhibited, yes. then I know I've got to go in and bang. I've got to go a little bit faster and I've got, I can't exactly do it as I'd like to do it, but yeah. it yeah. will win the audience over quicker and get them on board and get them laughing. Yes. Um, yes. That, that's interesting, yeah. actually, that kind of intuition and, and insight. Because I, I think, well, you're, you're obviously right. It is the case you sometimes get audiences that are obviously enjoying your material. They're smiling, but they just can't find it in themselves or as a group to, to, to start laughing. And they take a, a bit to get warmed up. Well, I did, I did a gig a few weeks ago and it was it was laughers, but not not out loud. Yes. And it was an opening spot, so a 20-minute opening spot. It was 20 to 25-minute opening spot. So I did about 22 minutes in the end. Yeah. And they, you could see the audience were really enjoying it. And the odd big you know, laugh and whatever. And at the end of it, three guys got up and gave me a standing ovation. Yes, yes. But you'd think that that kind of reaction yeah. would have meant that everyone was laughing their heads off all the way through it, which they were, but... You know, people, rooms laugh differently, don't they? So They do, they do. And I think mm. under those circumstances, you sometimes find they'll go to the bar, they'll have a drink, they'll come back. They're just a bit more relaxed. It's not necessarily just the alcohol. It's just that they're settling into the evening and then they might mm. let themselves go. So, so yes, I, I, I can see I can see that. So you, you mentioned then your first comedy then that you were doing there um, over in Tring at Tringe. That was stand-up. I take it that was you. That was Steve Lee. Yeah. Is that right? And then, then you've ended up finding and using the voice of this great character and using that as a vehicle for for comedy. So, 
Could you ever see yourself going back to doing a regular stand-up, or are you do, you do you do you see the benefits of character comedy? And what what do you think are the the benefits and challenges? Maybe um, so a bit of a long-winded question. But do you have any reflections on this this sort of character comedy? And and is it is it where you see your comedy future? So whatever anyone might think, it's harder to write for a character than it is for a normal, let's say, normal stand-up. Yeah, yeah. It's much harder because for all of that writing that you've done that you can write in your voice, you can't adapt that material to the character's voice. Not all of it. Some yeah. of it will. Yeah. But the rewards are infinitely more pay. You know, the payback yeah. is infinitely more rewardable. Well, it, well if you don't mind, just explore that because... Why Why is that then, Steve, do you think? What's the difference then? Because not everything that you think of is suitable for the character to think. Or, yes. or, or And you, you can think of funny things. You could think that you could go on stage, oh, that's so funny. You yeah. know, I was talking in the pub, you, and yeah. you say, right, I've, you think of something funny, you say something funny, and somebody will say to you, oh, that's so good. I'd like to see that on stage. Yes. And you go, well, you can't, I couldn't do that on stage because it doesn't suit the character. It doesn't fit. It doesn't and I couldn't yes. and I, try and rewrite it. You can't rewrite it to suit the character. No, no. But is it the case, though, that, of course, Mad Ron can say things, uh, think of things, and talk about things that, that Steve Lee couldn't? So can you get away with more as a character in some instances? I don't know. I don't think so. I think people will see through that. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully... You know, there is a line, isn't there? Yeah. And hopefully I don't cross it at any no, point. No. I think you I push up and stay short of the line, I think, mostly. Yeah. But... If we think of somebody like Al Murray, let's say, then then he gets away with saying things that are maybe misogynistic or xenophobic, you know. And and so is it possible that, that Ron can say things about an old fashioned way of thinking, the good old days when, you know, when, when this happened and that happened, whereas... Steve Lee uh, wouldn't be able to voice those old-fashioned thoughts. So, so is there any of that in your acts? Do you think? I don't. I don't really think so. I think the writing goes in that direction, but it never actually gets to that point. Yeah, yeah. that's that's. I think that's where I've. You know, I'm always conscious about that. Yes. And thinking, well, you know, make sure you don't cross the line. You don't want. I, I don't. Yeah. You know. There's a lot of people say, "Oh, comedy's not like it used to. You can't, yeah. you can't write. You know, you yeah. can't say anything these days." That's a popular yeah. phrase to say. Yeah. But the thing is, you can say a lot of things, but there must be cleverness in the writing. Yes. If people aren't clever enough to write in that way to yeah. to to stop that offence. Yes. Then this... they're not worthy of uh, of. <laughs> Of being on that stage, you've got yeah. to adapt. That I can I can see that actually, and I can see how you're still able to find the funny without having to perhaps uh, re- rely on that exaggeration. Where there's that almost that inside joke where maybe your your character might be more offensive, but you don't need to go there. You've got you've got funny stuff to perhaps uh, uh, make up make up for that. You don't have to shock the audience, perhaps. Well. You know, there are some useful places that I go to to 
to try new material out. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to give a shout out now. GMB Comedy in London, run by yeah. Carl Wallace, is just brilliant. Yeah. Because, you know, they know me. If you go to that gig and you do say something offensive because it's new material, you have crossed a line. Yeah. They're very accepting to say, you know, you are experimenting. You, we've got enough history with you to know that you're not, yeah. you know, trying to be offensive. You've just not got the writing right yet. Yeah. And you can sort stuff out. Yeah. I've not actually crossed that line, but I've seen it in other people. Yes. And and they are told. Yeah. But they're yeah. not, they don't kick them out the door. No. And say, you're never coming back. They just they give just them some advice. Yeah. You may have to think about that because that's offensive or that's this isn't yeah. right. That's and they come back with a better set of material the next time. Yeah, this is this is good. And uh, what about anybody who might be thinking of uh, getting into stand-up? So they might be a, f- a few years behind yourself and myself, might be earlier on in their career, uh, snapping at our heels. Do you have any tips or pearls of wisdom for, for anybody who's thinking of getting into comedy and maybe even thinking about character comedy? So character comedy is difficult. It's not as easy as it looks. It takes so many... It didn't... It took probably 50 gigs yeah. before I truly got the idea of what the character was. Yes. Because you you don't know what an audience wants to You've no. got an idea through, through everyday interaction yeah. what people in real life want to hear from you. Yeah. If you create a character and you go on stage, you have no idea what that audience wants to hear from that character. Yes. So... When you it takes 50 odd gigs minimum, 100 gigs maybe, to find exactly where you are with that character and what that audience wants to hear from you and the types of material. And from that, you need to be extremely perceptive as well, yeah, as to what they're laughing at and be really brutal in your editing of the material, yeah, so that you can get your message across the funniest way possible. And that's what an audience wants to hear from you. Yes. Whereas if you go out as yourself, you've already done the equivalent of 100, 200 gigs because you've yeah. everyday life, you've told funny yes. stories, you've had chats in pubs and yeah. mucked around with your mates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you're at an advantage by doing material as yourself, I think. Yes. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that, and there and there are there are pros and cons, but I can see what you mean about you've already found your character. I guess a comedian has to exaggerate that, but at least it is essentially their own their own voice uh, saying this stuff. Whereas, as as you say, the the audience are definitely essential, aren't they? In that they will they will tell us uh, what works and what doesn't work, and and they're co-writing the material uh, with us. That's that that's for sure. That's good. And you mentioned earlier about, yeah, you're a, you're a fan of competitions because it means you get to play in front of an audience. And, and for what you're saying, then open mic nights are essential, I guess. It's an obvious, obvious thing to say. Well, I think open mic is new. You know, now it's new material. Yeah. Go in and do a bit of new material. Yeah. There's another, uh, there's another side to what I was doing as well, because as a character, getting yeah. five minute spots doing open mic. So for me, it was a it was a three hour round trip train trip yeah. uh, into London and back out again to yeah. go and do an open mic gig, and you get a five minute spot. So with the open mic circuit in London, there's a massive problem because you do a three hour round trip, 
yeah. in and out of London, plus walking to the venues, plus an hour and a half sitting, or you know, two hours sitting, you know, watching the other acts and, and whatever. And so it's very difficult, you know, living in London, it's quite easy. You can go in and do two yeah, or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But two or three a week, but I could only do one or two maximum a week. Yeah. Because of the journey time and a full time job, et cetera. So yeah. when I went in and I was trying new material, I'd have to try and make sure that that new material, that two minutes of new material that I was, you know, in the middle of my set yeah. was as good as and as finished as it possibly could be. Yes. There was no wing in it, you know, go in, start with your normal start, do, yeah. do two minutes of material, brand new material. Yeah. And then do your closer, and then you've got a judge of whether your middle bit is as good as your end bits at, yes, at the start of the end. Yes, yes. And then whether it's good to pursue or not. Yeah. And then yeah. the next week you go in with something different or yeah. a refined version of what you'd written before. Yeah. That's well. That's it. That's that's a really important and useful tip actually, because I th I think making the open mic and new material night work work for you and getting getting the most out of it. And there's no point just um, perhaps polishing or or trying to impress the crowd with your best stuff. You've got to use it for for writing and developing the the act. It sounds to me like you're you take it seriously. That that seems to be paying off with the success that you've had in, in previously and 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 recently at Leicester and elsewhere and getting lots of gigs, which is which is great. But it sounds to me like you 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 take it seriously and you you you're working hard on the comedy and and that's an important discipline in itself, really. I think. Well, if you love it, you love it, don't you? Yeah. It's not really. It's not really work. Work isn't a word. Yes. I just really enjoy it. So yeah. If you think of something, I mean, Mrs. Italia, there's a bit. You know, when I, I I think of something, a premise that's funny, I will just. I'm just obsessed with it. I just sit down, play with it, write for ages and ages, and yeah. try and fiddle it, put words in, change words, muck around, and then, you know, finally I come out of the room after, you know. <laughs> 20 days with you know <laughs> pale and thin and, and and read it to the missus and she said no that's a pile of crap but... <laughs> that's that that's good and writing are you writing there steve on the computer or by hand do you have a preference different ways really yeah yeah i sometimes it's on the computer sometimes it's on a pad yeah. Generally, if I've got an idea and I can't work it out on the computer, I will get the pad out and I'll write it on the pad. Yeah, and and try and like put arrows and drawings and lines and whatever, which you can't do on the computer. Yeah. So, so you go. I want to take that bit out and I want to put it there, and then put it, and then I just type it out on the computer. At yeah. The end. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we're heading towards the end, but I've really enjoyed uh, finding out more about your background and your your work, um, Steve. If if people want to to find you, then of course uh, Edinburgh, they can look for uh, Madron Crime School. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, Assembly, and it's ten thirty five in the Box, which is in George Square. So it's a lovely location. It's a yeah. really you know yeah. the Assembly, a really pro professional organisation. That's that's a, a really that sounds good, term. and you've yeah. and and people can find you online. You've got a you've got a one of those fancy website things. I have one of them websites. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I've got Facebook page Madron Spanners, Instagram Madron Spanners. Again, uh, Twitter Madron on Twitter. We'll find you. We'll yeah, find you. That's a postcard. That's for sure. Yeah, and but um, have you... can I just give a shout to my next show? Because um, oh yeah, but, I'm but, 
please do, please do. I mean, Angel Comedy uh, in on the 27th of May. I don't know whether this will go out before then. You possibly. better get your finger out. Possibly, I'll get my finger out. Yeah. <laughs> Madron says, yeah. get your finger out. I bet I do. Yeah, go on. What's and, your um, name? What, what gig is that? 27th of May. What's that? 27th. So I'm doing crime school in um, in Angel Angel Comedy. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, it's a oh. pre- preview, my only London preview at the moment. I hope that goes well. I'm sure it will. It'll be bags of uh, laughs. And you, you mentioned earlier seeing loads of comedians. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go because uh, time, time's nearly up. But um, is it fair to ask? Uh, but I can't resist it. Did you have any favourites? Do you still have any favourites? Who do you admire? Who do you look up to? So I remember having a top five, and um, yeah, right at the very, very top was Harry Hill. Okay. I saw Harry Hill do twenty minutes in a club in London. Can't even remember remember the club. Yeah, we got me and my mate got somebody to drive us there so we could have a beer, and then um, <laughs> drive us back. It's a birthday or something. Saw Harry Hill. He walked on, and I was in. Well, I was glad he walked off the stage after twenty minutes because <laughs> I was in so much pain. Really? Yeah, oh, good. And then. He was he was incredible. Marcus Brigstock um, back then was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but still is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was lucky enough to have gigged with him a couple of times since. Um, Terry Alderton, brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and in High Wycombe they used to have a booker who was uh, for one season they had this uh, this booker who was a comedy fan. She went up to uh, went up to Edinburgh. And she saw loads of acts and she booked different acts for uh, the yeah. autumn season. Yeah. And you had things like, oh, Jimmy Carr was on there. Uh, he, Jimmy Carr was in a show called Rubberneckers with uh, Robin Ince, uh, Steve Merchant and Ricky Gervais. Oh, yeah. And so Robin Ince was, uh, sorry, uh, Jimmy Carr was booked for the show. Prioritaire Gauche, French band. Have you ever seen them? Uh, I know of them. I don't think I've seen them alive. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Bagshaw, which was Mackenzie Crook's character. <laughs> ah, yeah, I saw Mackenzie Crook. Uh, Mr. Cheese, I saw him doing. Uh, he was. Mr. I'm sure it was Mr. Bagshaw. Charlie Cheese. Charlie Cheese. Right. Uh, perhaps. I'm, yeah. Anyway, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Best. Mr. Bagshaw was the geography teacher. Okay. And uh, that, you know that was absolutely fantastic. You know, and lots of other. Uh, yeah. Bill Bailey's and 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 whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. But she. We were in the we were in the pub afterwards, and she came up to us. Yeah. And she said, "Excuse me, you're the two guys that come every week, and you always sit near the front, you yeah. know, a couple of seats back." So, yeah. So, what do you think about the program in this season? I said, "It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's so different, yeah. so yeah. better. It's not the same thing all the time." And now, if you go to a lot of these clubs, there isn't that variety anymore. That's interesting you say that. I think that's something that I've uh, yeah that that that's just uh, it's true. And I've talked uh, with others about that sameness and homogeneity. And I suppose us being a little bit older, Steve, we sort of lived through some of those alternative years and that wackier side of comedy. And it does seem to have settled down into a bit of a, a sameness. But 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 I'm a big fan of the variety and the cabaret and the and 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 the character as well. You mentioned a few comedians there. Was do you have a a favourite character comedian, um, either past or uh, present. So my favourite comedian of all time is Peter Cook. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, have you heard him doing Sven uh, from Swiss Cottage? Sven from Norway. 
yes and, uh, ringing yes. up uh, LBC and talking about fish for an hour <laughs> yeah. incredible, incredible that's right and that that's pure character and uh, really uh, funny stuff better let you uh, go because um, I'm sure it's lights out in your prison cell there shortly but was there, was there anything else we've that you wanted to mention or that we haven't haven't touched on but I feel like we've had a great journey through uh, through uh, your experience and uh, background no I I don't think so um you know it's it'd be nice to just give a shout out to some people that I really admire in terms, Please. In, Please. Um, in terms of uh character comedy you know, Jerry Bakewell is hilarious absolutely hilarious um he's basically the um yorkshire's least successful mexican wrestler <laughs> and um it's just the most ridiculous concept you've ever seen in your life but absolutely cracks me up every single time i see him um uh marcel leconte oh, of course um, yeah just absolutely fantastic luckily enough uh, that alexis who plays marcel Helped me with my Edinburgh show last year, and it would oh, be wow. without him. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, there's many more that I, I yeah, you know, I mentioned, yeah. but those two, that's, I think, they're really worth a look. That's great, and thanks for thanks for mentioning. I've 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 seen Marcel perform, and I, and in fact, I've seen Jerry Bakewell perform a couple of times, and can agree that 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 both of them are very very different, but both of them are hilarious and a good example of that variety we were just talking about. Steve, I'm a big fan of uh, Mad Ron. Uh, I wouldn't dare say otherwise. And uh, <laughs> I will uh, and I will uh, look forward to definitely seeing you again. I have a feeling I'll definitely see you in Edinburgh, but I might I might see you before then. But uh, so thanks for talking to me today, Steve. Thank you. Uh, just say that, you know, Ian Crawford is a fantastic comedy construct as well. It's so, so clever. The mannerisms are just a class apart really it's, it's it's really good not only is it cleverly written but the physical element of it is really good i appreciate that steve and it, and it, and it means a lot because um i think unless you've been on stage as a character then uh perhaps uh, yeah you, you don't necessarily understand the nuance of what goes into it but but also i i think um what you said today about the the writing and about the jokes is really important and i think your gag hit rate is higher than mine, and that's something that I could, I think I could, I could work on. I know the act is funny; people like it. I get plenty of laughs, but I, I think in terms of the the jokes and the writing, I think I've, I've still got a little bit of work to do. But haven't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come and see your show, and I'll, I'll, I'll make judgment on that. But I'm, uh, I know it's going to be excellent. So yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, thanks again, Steve. Have a, have a great evening and a great week. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Bye.